This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, February 13th, 2024 edition. And today was an interesting day in markets. We're going to unpack the market moves, but first we're going to take caller questions and give you a rundown of what today's show is about, and that is about you. It's about you and your financial future and making good decisions with your money, whether that is on the personal finance side or the investment side. Try to hit on both and give you a broad overview of what's happening in the markets, both near-term and long-term, and give you some perspective, developed with over 20-plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. And all of that today is in order to make you a better investor and just simply better with your money. And so we're going to run down the market performance as usual today, as well as some show topics, but we're going to hit our first caller question now. Hey, Justin, Luke, this is Adam, Minnesota. Wish you see the best. Hopefully we'll recover and be back soon. Question on the stock ticker CNHI. They have earnings coming up. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the on this company. Thanks for all you do. Forward to hearing your uh, your response on the podcast. All right, looking at CNHI, CNH Industrial. It's a global manufacturer of heavy machinery, mainly for the agricultural markets and. It's one of the most recognized brands, Case IH. <clears throat> it served farmers for generations. And they have 3,600 dealers and distribution locations globally. Okay, They also have a finance arm as well. So they're kind of that <clears throat> intermediary. And their business is growing, but the growth is slowing. And the chart is in a downtrend. You have, take a look at a daily chart. <clears throat> you certainly are seeing a series of lower highs, lower lows, down big today after nearly reaching its 200-day 200, 200 moving average. Earnings supposed to fall 24% this year. And that's really the issue, is the fact that those earnings continue to plump to new lows, and they have a lot of debt on their balance sheet, nearly $25 billion in long-term debt on a $15 billion market cap. Not something I would want to own here. Uh, they pay a dividend, but frankly, they should probably cut that dividend and shore up that balance sheet because they have negative free cash flow. Their times interest earned is only 3.4 times. That's not that great. And as I just said, their earnings expectations going forward are, are, are poor. So it's clear you need to get out of this uh, or, or avoid it, excuse me. Uh, so uh, too much debt and bad trends in earnings. So 
move on. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover in the next 40 minutes or so. Our main focus point concerns this question. Could the institutional private equity push leave investors with scraps? And now that the industry is deepening its foothold into traditional wealth management clients, participants have flagged potential byproducts of this trend, including those wealth management clients getting the leftovers from the you know, the, the deals that maybe not are not quite as attractive. So we're going to look at that story. Also, on top of that, we're going to touch on the commercial real estate market, some recent trends on that front, and what those within the industry are seeing. In addition, the solar industry. Higher rates have caused many of these names to enter a protracted downtrend. Many of them are down 70, 80, 90% from their highs in 2021. And the big question is, which ones will get off the mat? Some of them will go bankrupt. Some of them cannot sustain in an environment of high interest rates. But others, you know, they just needed a multiple correction. So we're going to look at that industry. And then lastly, AI is starting to threaten some white collar jobs. And we're going to look at that story as well. Now, our voice bank questions are in regards to tech resources, T-E-C-K, and then Skechers, S-K-X. Now, let's take a look at the market performance for today. It was a decidedly bloody day, one of the bloodiest days really since the beginning of the year. If you look at the broad indices, we had the first two days of the year, three days actually, were, were negative. They were pretty red. And a bit of a pullback, although the market was overbought going into this year. Uh, but after that little pullback, it refreshed the market, and we pretty much have had up moves ever since. We had one major down day on the 31st of January. Uh, but since then, the market has been up until today, where the CPI surprised a bit to the upside. Now, I think the market reaction was a little too extreme. But obviously, markets were stretched, markets were overbought, so prone to these type of poor reactions. And you had some pretty big down moves. You had arm holdings down 19% after surging over the last few days. Tesla down 2%, Palantir down 4 Let's see, what else? Avis down 23%. Goodyear Tire down 15%. Shopify down 13%. We had some pretty big gainers, however. JetBlue up 21%, TripAdvisor up 13%. But overall, you had a, a bloody day. Small caps down a little over 3%. The broad U.S. market was down about 1.5%. I talked yesterday about a potential for Option X week turning into a gamma flip that would force force dealers to shed the underlying shares, I mean, sell the underlying shares, which is forced down the indices, et cetera. And today certainly is a, a going a, a long way uh, towards that. Now, we still have ec more economic data to come out this week. Remember, CPI is very laggy. So while the market reacted to it, it really doesn't mean a whole lot because what you really want to focus on is the PPI, the PPI, because the producer price index is the leading indicator. Uh, and that usually feeds into the CPI about three months later. Okay, so we'll be on the lookout for that. That 
data is on Friday. Retail sales also are on Friday. Building permits on Friday. So I think that is a more important. Uh, those are more important numbers to look at. We have import and export prices coming out on Thursday. So from an inflation standpoint, I think those will be more impactful. Uh, now it does signal though that the easy path towards that 2% price target from the Fed or inflation target from the Fed, uh, most of that's behind us. And it's going to be a, a tougher slog to get down there. And that's why I think the Fed remains higher for longer. And I don't think that's going to change. So uh, we're, we're coming off overbought conditions. And certainly if we get some follow through tomorrow, that could mean a more protracted downturn in the short now we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on J.P. Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Luke and Justin, and I'm sure Steve is still listening in from home. I know Option X is coming up next week, and um, I have a question about tech, T-E-C-K. Um, I sold some puts at a strike price of around 37 and 36. The price is hovering around 38. Wondering if they do go on the money, if that's a, if you feel like that's a good price to to pick up some shares of tech around 36 and 37. If they do go in money, should I go ahead and, and take the shares next week? Or if you feel like um, there's still room for it to move down, I can roll the, the strikes down and out for a month. Just overall, in general, it seems like the commodities are, are struggling in this market, trying to see what you feel about them in general. I uh, appreciate your time. Thanks. All right, looking at tech resources, and uh, I'm assuming you have sold puts uh, because you're talking about taking possession of them around this price. And I think the simple answer is, yeah, I think this is a, a good price for it. Uh, now, should you, could you roll it uh, out a little bit? I think there's no nothing wrong with that. But, you know, this is certainly a good price for tech resources. We own it uh, for clients. And uh, in this mid to high 30s, 
area is certainly a good buy point based on valuations earning $4.29 next year. And analysts are upgrading those estimates as well. So uh, yeah, I think this is a good price to pick up tech resources. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we thank them for the courtesy by getting to the questions quickly. The Puma 51 says, how do you feel about ticker SNA? Is it a buy right now after its latest dip? Now, this is Snap-on, Snap-on, about a $13 billion market cap. And they make tools. They make tools. And earnings expectations for this year are up 1% to nearly $19 per share and up another 5% next year to nearly $20 per share. But both of those estimates are coming down and growth is slowing. Now, it's trading at a about a mid-teens multiple, which obviously is a discount to the overall market. And the big question is... Is that fair? Well, let's take a look at their balance sheet. Their balance sheet's pretty clean. Only $1.2 billion in long-term debt on a market cap of $13 billion times interest earned is 65 times. So they have plenty of cash flow to support that debt. So no issues there. Free cash flow is about a billion dollars. That puts it at a free cash flow yield around 7 8%. I like that. Now, let's take a look at the chart. It did dip down here. And that's a pretty big move from this recent earnings. And technically, that doesn't help. Uh, but we had that back in April of 2021. And it kind of languished in around the 200 level for some time. And then entered an uptrend in middle of 2022. Now it's at $262 and change at the close today. Near support, I will say that. Uh, I like the profitability return equity around 21%, which is right around the five-year median. So I have no issue there as well. It's just the really the lack of growth and what type of multiple you want to pay for pretty modest growth. Now, the good thing is nice 2.5% dividend yield. They're certainly able to pay that dividend and raise it. And they've been raising it consistently. So I, I like that. Their shares outstanding. Are they buying back shares? Yeah, they're buying back shares as well. So they're doing a lot with that billion dollars in free cash flow annually. And I'm going to give this one, frankly, a thumbs up. Now, could it go down a bit more to say the 250, 255 level? Potentially. But I like this company, Snap-on Tools. S-N-A is the symbol. Now we're going into a quick break. Please remember to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to call with your questions. You can call anytime and leave your question on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. Or if you're listening via the live stream on AM 1220 in Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888 chart Today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Yes, 
Now, our main focus point concerns this question. Could the institutional private equity push leave investors with scraps? And private equity and private debt in general has been a a, a big trend post-financial crisis. Banks, because of regulations, have had trouble with certain segments of the lending markets. Trouble with getting certain loans passed by regulators, certain asset classes rubber stamped by regulators. And private equity and these private loans took up the mantle. And a lot of wealthy individuals, family offices, institutions plowed money in there in a chase for yield. And so those sectors have gotten trillions of and trillions of dollars of capital and way larger than they were pre-financial crisis. Well, as rates have gone up, those sectors have started to struggle. And they need more capital. And in turn, they've started to look for new capital from your average high net worth individual. Companies like Blackstone and Apollo Global Management. They recently launched private equity and private credit funds to help them through this crisis. Now, with typical private investments like this, private funds, there's a lockup period. Many large institutions will lock up their capital for 10 to 12 years, allowing that fund to, quote unquote, work work its magic, to try to execute on the strategy. Because private equity, it takes a while. You buy out a firm, you restructure it, reorganize it, squeeze out the efficiencies in it, pay down debt, and that takes many years. And so they need a more permanent form of capital. And so that's what these large institutions are signing up for. And some of these funds have similar lockup periods. Others are more semi-liquid, meaning you can't go sell them in any day but you can sell them sometimes on a quarterly or monthly basis. But usually those are limited as well to 2% a quarter, 5% a year, things like that. Now, the risk is not just in the lack of liquidity, but it's also in what type of deals these funds are actually taking in. The risk with companies with a large platform, like a BlackRock or an Apollo, is that they have existing funds. And those existing funds have investors that they've been around a while, they have good relationships with, they have a lot of money. And therefore, the worry is that they will get preferential treatment. Those funds that have been around a while, those funds that maybe are underwater and need a little help getting back to even by giving them more advantageous deals. And these new funds getting eh, the leftovers, 
right? Cherry picking the ones that, you know, are good enough to do, but maybe the risk reward is not quite as good as some of those better deals that the bigger, older funds get. And that's the worry. There's no oversight. Is the allocation of these deals, are they, is the allocation equitable? And it's a very difficult thing to pin down because most high net worth individuals or, you know, those that are clients of the Merrills and Morgans of the world, shall I call them, they may be successful in business, they may be smart, but they don't have the institutional grade infrastructure to do the full analysis to ensure that the allocations are conducted properly. Pension funds might be able to do that because they could look, they have the the team to go and look at that. But the average person does not. So does this place the new limited partnerships at a disadvantage to those larger institutional investors, family offices, ultra high net worth individuals, talking about people that have hundreds of millions of dollars versus these new funds are pitched to Investors that typically have you know, single-digit millions of dollars? And I think the simple answer is no. This industry or segment of the industry is still new. And they'll talk about their guidelines for this, but it's pretty clear that most of them, many of them, shall we say, I don't know if say most of them, but many of them, are are going to have preferential treatment to disadvantage those clients that they maybe not have a strong relationship with. And so I wanted to highlight that because these private vehicles, it's opaque. You don't know exactly how they are constructed, how they are invested, and how they're all- how these deals are allocated across their different funds. These aren't they don't just have one fund; they have multiple and. Each deal could apply to many of the funds that they have out there. Now we're heading into a break. I'm Justin Klein. I'm taking your calls now at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, 
InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. On the next InvestTalk, a look into this story. Americans have $1.13 trillion in credit card debt, and experts say they, there are tried and true payoff strategies. We'll talk about that, but that's tomorrow. But for now, let's play another caller question. Hello, this is Selena from Minneapolis. Um, I had a question on Baker News. Um, ticker symbol is DKR. I'm a little confused evaluating the stock. I own it. I thought that it had a positive cash flow, but I'm finding some other information saying that they have a negative cash flow. It looks like their revenue has been increasing year over year. Payout ratios, 43%. It's a little concerned about the debt. I don't know if the information I'm looking at is accurate. If you could just tell me what you think of DKR and if you like the space and if I should consider adding more or if I should consider selling. All right. Thank you. Bye. Are looking at Baker Hughes, and this is in the oil services sector. They provide well-born products and technology services and systems to the global oil and natural gas industry. So them and Schlumberger are probably the top two in the space. And going to the numbers, I see very strong positive cash flow, $1.8 billion. So not sure what you were seeing, but $1.8 billion on a $29 billion market cap, that's about a 6% free cash flow yield, pretty solid. They do have some debt, but it's not really worrisome. It's about $4 billion in net debt on a $29 billion market cap and nearly $2 billion in free cash flow. That's perfectly fine. 13 times interest earned, no issue there. You're correct, the payout ratio is around 43%. That's fine as well. With that balance sheet, uh, I see no reason why this is going to cut its dividend or have any financial woes unless the oil industry itself just falls off a cliff. Now, it has pulled back with most of the oil industry, and it is near some support in the high 20s, currently trading at 29.01 at the close today. So that's a positive, but obviously oil prices do have to turn around. But the strength of the company long-term is very good. Return equity right now is at about 13%. Uh, but long-term, that tends to be, actually, that's a bit higher than, than usual. So uh, it's this new environment is definitely good for their business, their cash flows. I just see no reason why you want to, to sell it. Uh, it you know, could you buy another Oil service company instead, Slumberger or uh, a smaller name, potentially. Uh, but the financials here, the balance sheet, all look pretty solid, too. Thanks for the call. 
Let's touch a bit on the commercial real estate market. And today, with the inflation data and higher interest rates, that is certainly going to continue to push the stress on the commercial real estate industry. Because the S&P Global sees that higher for longer interest rates is mainly the, the top risk for the real estate sector as a whole, especially commercial real estate. And we've seen recently with New York City Bank Corp, they were cut in half by the end of January, and they fell again this week. And if you look at the trading volume in commercial real estate debt, property-related debt, that is starting to increase. Started off the year, real estate-related flows accounted for single-digit percentage of overall bond trading. Now it's up to about 16% and growing pretty fast. So obviously, people are trying to trade out of this debt. Now, that can be a good thing if they're trading at cheap prices. But that's going to have to be precipitated by a Fed rate cutting cycle. Meaning, in order for those prices to look cheap today, you're probably going to need Fed easing to bring down interest rates and bring up the ultimate value of the underlying properties. And if you look at the commercial real estate market as a whole, you'll see that the debt that has been traded is showing signs of, of, you could call extreme stress. Now, the issue for companies that are exposed to this debt, you only really hear about problems with those companies when the lender sets aside millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars, in loan loss provisions for future losses. And once again, that's what you saw with New York City Bank Corp. You also saw that in Japan with Azora Bank, both dropping 34% or more over the past month or so. Now, the way that we know that a lot of these loans are stressed, though, is trading in that commercial real estate market. Commercial mortgage-backed securities account for about 14% of U.S. commercial real estate lending. So not the majority. The majority still comes from banks. But you can see indirectly what is happening in that market. Now, billions of dollars of CMBS debt matured last year. And according to Cred IQ, only 26% of those that matured last year actually were paid off in full, meaning that they were refinanced or paid with cash. Because the vast majority of them continue to struggle to refinance them or to just sell the properties for more than their work, more than the loan that's backing them. Now, banks have a little more leeway here. They can extend and pretend, many of them do. But in the commercial mortgage-backed security market, they don't have that. So it's a little cleaner view of what is truly happening in that market. Now, typically, there's either a default or there 
transferred to what is called a special servicer. And this is a third party that tries to figure out the best way forward with this, these loans. Either create an extension, negotiate an extension as a third party, renegotiate the terms, or simply foreclose on the property. Now, the pool of troubled loans is growing. 10.5% of commercial mortgage-backed security office debt is in distress by the end of last month. And distressed loans are those that are more than 30 days late, and that has more than tripled the rate from a year ago and expected to go up even more uh, next year at about $46.6 billion. Now, of the listed 220 troubled loans, the average valuation decline on the property was about 40%. And those that were appraised last year, values were down about 50%. Now, banks are a bit more conservative than the commercial mortgage-backed security market, so be aware of that. They typically have a loan-to-value around the 50% mark. And you're also seeing that real estate investment trusts are also coming under scrutiny as well and pressure. And the S&P 500 office REIT sub-industry index is down about 50% in value since before the pandemic. So while things continue to trend poorly there, the current CMBS market is kind of the worst case scenario, like I said, because of more aggressive lending standards in that space. But I wanted to highlight those trends because uh, that is certainly the biggest risk to the overall market right now is uh, contagion coming out of that space, but most likely contained for the time being. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier from San Mateo on 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin. This is Clyde from San Mateo. Had a question about OGI, Organogram Holdings. From my research, I understand that uh, British American Tobacco, BTI, has invested about $124 million into this company, and I've been seeing an uptick in the price lately. So I wanted to get your opinion to see if this is a good buy. And also a little bit about British American Tobacco. Pays a very nice dividend, but the stock price has been declining these past uh, year or so. So I would like your opinion on both of those, if I could. Thanks so much, and have a great day. Well, uh, I'll make the British tobacco part quick and simple. It is a tobacco company that is trying to pivot away from your traditional cigarettes because of regulatory pressure as well as a ton of debt. This is an example of a company that continues to pay, had to continue to pay debt and... To do that, they've been taking on, sorry, they continue to pay a dividend and they continue to pile on debt in order to do that. And that has been relatively unsustainable and that's why that continues to go lower. Now, uh, investing in Organogram Holdings, OGI, is probably a way to diversify their business and potentially hit it big and maybe help them pay off some of that debt sustain their dividend, et cetera, and, and pivot their business into recreational cannabis. And that's what Organogram does, the Canadian-based company that produces and sells dried cannabis and cannabis oil. Revenues last quarter down 16%, and they continue to lose money. And I've said this many times in the cannabis space, is that I'm not a huge fan of 
those companies that just simply grow the plant. It's a weed. It's easy to grow. And, you know, they can talk about artisanal craft brands that they're developing, et cetera. But at the end of the day, people just want to smoke cannabis or utilize cannabis. And they want relatively low prices. That means margins tend to be very low. And in this case, operating margins for them are negative. So while the chart has been improving on organogram, unless there's a potential buyout, and that, that could be your play here, that'd be my only play, is that BTI is going to go even further, or another company is going to go even further in betting on cannabis, and organogram is their, their horse they're going to ride to try to grow within that space. And they would buy them out completely, and the stock price would go up dramatically based on that buyout. That's really the only potential I see here. Yeah, technically near term, it is in an uptrend. But once again, they're just growing a weed and it's easy to do. So uh, I'm passing on both BTI and Organogram. Now let's play two in a row from the Best Talk Voice Bank. You know the number, 888-99-CHART. Hello, I'm Best Talk. I had a question about holding companies. Everyone talks about Berkshire Hathaway. I was just wondering, uh, what are your general thoughts of other holding companies uh, specifically? What do you think about Icon Enterprises, IEP? Uh, I know the price has gone down very drastically, significantly. Probably not mom and pop investors, but what are your thoughts further on this company? Uh, much appreciated for what you do. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, looking at Icon, Prop, Icon Enterprises, limited partnerships. So the first thing you have to know about this is that there's a dividend, but it is likely to get cut. And remember, it's taxable at your ordinary income tax rate. As uh, On top of that, you have allegations from a short seller. I believe it was Muddy Waters, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, basically saying there was a lot of fraud within Icon Enterprises. And oh, there you go. Is it Hindenburg? Hindenburg. That might have been it. And it fell dramatically on that news. That was back in, let me take a look at the date. Yeah, that was back in May of last year. And before that news, it was trading at about $51 per share. And today it's trading at 20. Now it has started a bit of an uptrend since mid-December, and that's some positive news. But in general, it has no come nowhere close to recovering the losses from that announcement. And you worry that those allegations are true. There's a lot of litigation going on within this name. And frankly, I would just wouldn't touch it. Uh, the risk versus reward is, is not really there. If it's a fraud and there's problems going on behind the scenes, bankruptcy is likely the way forward. Uh, the dividend, well, you could get paid it. Odds are good that it's going to get cut, especially if you look, and, and it has been cut recently. If you look at its latest dividend amount, it was about $1, but that's down from $2 in March of last year. So since this announcement, they've already cut their dividend in half. What does that tell you about the financial stress that they're in? So I would stay away from it. 
if you want a holding company, just go buy Berkshire. Thanks for the call. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime Listener Line, 888-99-CHART. Hey, it's trying to reach Justin or Luke. This is Andrew from Atlanta. I'm reviewing my portfolio today, and I was wanting to check up on KRP. That's Kimball Realty Partners LP. I've owned this for quite a while. I think it's up just a, just a little bit. I own too much stock, so I'm trying to figure out if this would be something maybe I could uh, reinvest. I'm just trying to consolidate everything. I own too much. You could just let me know what you think about this. I'm a huge fan of the show. I'll listen to the podcast for the answer. Hope you guys have a great day. Bye. Looking at Kimball Royalty Partners, KRP is a symbol, about a $1.4 billion market cap. And this is engaged in acquisition of mineral and royalty interests in oil and gas properties in the United States. And mainly, mainly this is owning property rights in the Permian Basin, in Haynesville, Shale, Appalachian Basin, Eagle Ford, Bakken, and many shale regions across the country. And here's my issue is that earnings, they're kind of all over the place. Actually, last year, earnings were down 51%. When U.S. oil and gas production was at an all-time high. So what type of royalties are they acquiring? Clearly not ones where oil companies want to go drill. Because they're drilling a lot. It's in a relative downtrend. It's not in a strong downtrend, but it's definitely in a downtrend. You're getting 11% yield, but that yields over time, especially if they're not seeing earnings go up, cash flow go up. I just don't know where this yield is going to come from. The pair ratio is... Over 100%, their cash dividend pay ratio is negative. And their cash flow is negative. So this is definitely a candidate to sell. I think you have better options for companies that can grow and are actually buying royalty rights that people or companies are taking advantage of. Thanks for the call. Let's talk about the solar industry. And after years of rapid expansion, solar companies are... Broadly in a downtrend, mainly because of high interest rates and less favorable state tax incentives. And you're starting to see bankruptcies. Sunlight Financial recently filed for bankruptcy. SunPower, so another rooftop solar and storage provider, said in December that they flagged the risk of defaults and the ability to continue as a going concern. If you don't know what that means, it basically means bankruptcy is near. And then you have companies that may not be going bankrupt anytime soon, but their earnings have reversed dramatically and in many instances gone negative. 
companies like Enphase and Solar Edge. And the main reason here is because solar companies rely on debt to fund these installations. And customers also tend to finance this pur these purchases. And the average quoted interest rate on consumer solar loans is now 6.58% this year, compared to 2.45% in the first quarter of 2022. And on top of that, in California, they changed the rules of how much you can sell back to the grid, how much energy you can sell back to the grid. Basically cutting the value of the electricity exports from your system by about 75% on average. That means in California, the average consumer gets paid back in about 8 to 10 years. That's four years longer than it used to take based on these changing dynamics. And analysts are starting to shift their expectations for solar installations. Wood McKenzie expects there to be 12% fewer U.S. residential solar installations this year versus last. And Bloomberg sees only a 5% increase annually between last year and 2030 in solar installation. That's way down from 32% annual growth between 2019 and 2022. And so it's pretty clear here that this this, this industry was heavily reliant on subsidies, heavily reliant on increased inch, or low interest rates, and now that's all changing. And they need to reform their business models in order to sustain. Otherwise, they're going bankrupt. But if they can do that and they can start producing cash flow again, you might be able to find some bargains. But there's a lot of landmine in this industry that could potential, potentially blow you up. So be very careful if you were going to try to pick some of these downtrodden names. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.